You're about to hear the 3CR Community Radio podcast of Encyclopedia. For more information on this show, head to 3cr.org.au and follow the links to the Encyclopedia program page. Get in contact with us on Facebook, Twitter, or find us on our website. Good afternoon, this is Psychedelia on 3CR 855 AM on digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. You'll have to uh, excuse my slight nasal uh, neeness. I've managed to avoid getting sick all winter uh, and then finally got, got hit down with it uh, over the past week, uh, unfortunately. This is Psychedelia. Do get in touch with us if there's anything that here on the program that you want to talk more about or anything that you want to suggest to us to talk about in the future. Uh, head to the website 3cr.org.au. Jump onto the Psychedelia program page and there are links there to our website, Facebook and Twitter accounts and you can also send us an email. Uh, Ash, our regular contributor, is in the studio. Ash, welcome. Afternoon, folks. How's your past week been? Oh, yeah, it's been pretty good. Been getting out in the garden, planting out the veggies. It is the time. It is the time. It's, it, you can really feel the spring in the air when the jasmine, if I had a sense of smell, I'd be uh, enjoying the smell of uh, just just the hints of jasmine in the air now. Uh, but unfortunately, all I can smell is the remnants of snot, <laughs> which, is, which is great fun. Let's get stuck into the news for the week. Okay, what? so this week I want to start off with a bit of a shout-out to the Australian Drug Law Reform Foundation, which are celebrating their 20th anniversary. They held a, an event in Friday uh, on Friday in Sydney and honoured Vice President Anne Simmons. They had a few guest speakers, such as Michael Kirby, who was a founding member, a former, uh, I think he was a High Court judge, um, and Dr. Marianne Jauncey also spoke there. She's the medical director at Sydney's supervised injecting room in King's Cross. Well, happy birthday to the Australian Drug Law Reform Foundation. Yeah, they've been doing the hard work for 20 years on trying to set, put forward a new policy position for the way that we deal with drugs. It so. is a, it's a long, hard road for drug policy. Uh, Big Think in the US uh, published a piece this week on sniffer dogs and a double-blind study that was conducted to test how the officers affect uh, the dogs when they're working. So you might have heard of an effect called the clever hands effect. And clever hands or clever huns, it might be, uh, was a uh, was a horse that could apparently do arithmetic. So, you know, pretty incredible uh, mental uh, gymnastics for a horse to be uh, conducting. But what it turned out to be was that the horse wasn't actually doing maths in its head. Uh, it was taking cues from the people around it that was giving it an idea of when to stop or neigh or whatever it was. So it was doing sums and people go, ah, oh, you know, stop it at a certain point and then go, well, look, the, the horse can do sums. But the reality was that the horse was taking cues from the humans that were looking after it around them uh, and, and then going off that. And the suggestion is that a lot of sniffer dog operations operate in the same way with uh, the police uh, uh, not realising perhaps that their own cues toward people that they're, they want to search are the ones that are uh, causing the sniffer dog to provide a detection, which I'm still not sure what a detection is. And this article pointed out that, uh, you know, he watched a sniffer dog operation in action and he thought that the detection was when a sniffer dog sits down next to somebody. But then he started just seeing all this random stuff happening, like the dog is walking up to somebody. Oh, if it's walking up to somebody, that's a detection apparently. Or the dog sort of lifts its ear in the direction of somebody. That must be a detection. It's it's very random. I think, yeah, when I've looked into the issue a little bit, it's actually very hard to find what the guidelines for the police are. They're not very forward in 
making that sort of information public. And there's also been a concern that I've read about in, in terms of deliberate false positives, so not so much the inadvertent ones that you're talking about, but cue words and actions that right. would put, perhaps trigger that response. So maybe they're quite aware that this is just a bit of a scape uh, dog, it's not scapegoat, scape dog here. <laughs> well, yeah, I think it's a potential that you know you need to be aware of. Exactly. Uh, we had, um, on the issue of, of sniffer dogs and, and drug detection, uh, we had Senator Lionhelm wrote a piece in the newly launched Huffington Post Australia titled, I have smoked dope and I did inhale, that was the point. Oh, Borrowing a bit of a line from President Obama there, I think. Uh, he talked about the example of the Nimbin Mardi Gras Festival, or Protestival, as some call it, where the police set up a significant drug detection operation heading into and out of Nimbin and collected 600 saliva samples from drivers, and 114 of those tested positive to cannabis in the system. But he, he pointed out that, um, that there is this difficulty with cannabis testing where it stays in the system for quite a long time, and so a, false posi- a, a positive detection might not necessarily correlate with impairment. So, which is uh, we we don't want impaired drivers on the road because impaired drivers can be dangerous. But people with random selections of chemicals in their blood that doesn't relate whatsoever to their motor impairment should be irrelevant to the to the police. It, it, we're not just uh, doing chemistry on people's bloods to blood to try and determine what they do in their spare time. We're trying to make sure that people are safe on the roads. That's right. And just quoting from the article. Uh, Senator Leinhelm said that uh, more than a third of Australians admit to trying cannabis. There is no justification for a legislative mandate that acts as a chemical straitjacket threatening cannabis users with a loss of licence for choosing to enjoy a different drug to those who framed the laws. So a bit of a straight shooter, Senator Leinhelm. Adelaide Now reported that South Australia in the past week has apparently banned synthetic cannabis with a new uh, addition of several dozen chemicals to South Australia's controlled substances list that was gazetted uh, a few weeks ago. Now, this comes after South Australia claimed last year to have banned synthetic cannabis and actually on numerous other occasions over the past five years where they have claimed to completely ban synthetic cannabis. The problem here is that synthetic cannabis is not a thing. There is no such thing as synthetic cannabis. It's a purely sort of... uh, uh, it's, It's a kind of thing people use to simplify a very complex situation so that the complex situation is that there are a lot of chemicals out there some of them are analogs of cannabinoids that are found in the cannabis plant some of them are completely different entirely and some of them are marketed as if to be a replacement for cannabis well some are just marketed in completely bizarre ways so it's, it's very confusing for legislators especially when they uh, don't bother consulting experts uh, in the process of writing their legislation so yeah we'll see how they're banned goes. I think that that kind of language is also confusing for users as well who would perhaps assume that it's more similar to cannabis in its effects than it actually is because Mm. it's not cannabis. Yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, Daily Telegraph, (laughs) Dobby Nadila. Okay, yeah, Dobby (laughs) Nadila. Let's get into Dobby Nadila. So Tony Abbott, the Prime Minister, has called for a new hotline and I think allocated a million dollars to a new hotline to Dobby Nadila to tackle the so-called scourge in ICE. So was this uh, as opposed to Crime Stoppers, which is apparently, isn't that a phone line that you can call now to uh, report a crime? Well, what they've quoted is a Victorian program uh, that's kind of similar that has supposedly resulted in a 100 to 400% increase in information coming in about drug dealers. 
So they're mm. touting that as a successful campaign and somewhat trying to model it. I, I wonder somewhat when I hear things like this. I, I, I understand uh, the sentiments of the people that propose things like this, but uh, from from a commercial perspective, if we look, if we go into the deep, dark, dirty mercs of the black market, from a commercial perspective, if uh, you were one dealer and you knew that there was another dealer in your area, could there not be an incentive to dob in that other dealer and thus raise your own profits uh, at the disadvantage of said other person? Exactly. Other party? Anyone who's watched programs like The Wire or Breaking Bad knows how that kind of thing can go. I think, furthermore, the thing to consider is that 60% of people buy their drugs from a friend. Mm. So their drug dealer is just their mate. Yep. Yep, exactly. Uh, The Age this week reported that um, alcohol and prescription drugs, including common painkillers, are causing more ambulance calls in Victoria than illegal drugs such as heroin and ice. Victorian paramedics attended about 45 patients a day because of alcohol in 2013-2014, compared to an average of four people daily for crystal meth or ice. The second most common cause was benzodiazepines like Valium and Xanax, which resulted in about 11 calls per day. So that's your common anti-anxiety medications, which are uh, pretty pretty highly prescribed. I don't don't know the um, figures exactly, but um, from what I hear it's not exactly hard to speak to a doctor and be prescribed Xanax or yeah, Valium. This, we did cover a, a, a news story a couple of weeks back from the uh, Pharmacy Guild calling for better uh, kind of monitoring, monitoring of these yeah. kinds of programs. Uh, I thought there was there was a novel solution published uh, this week in the Guardian blogs uh, where, where somebody suggested that uh, they've got a solution to all these sport doping scandals that are going on at the moment. And they said, break the sport up into two, the doped uh, sport players and the non-doped. I thought that was a pretty uh, novel solution. He goes into it a little bit more uh, in the article, which you can view on the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash in psychedelia. I think there's all kinds of different things that might be possible in the future where we have a regulated drug market. So it's interesting the, to think about. There was one one final report out of um, Canada from CBC News, uh, which was reporting on Shambhala Festival, which is a festival similar to Rainbow Serpent Festival or Earthcore Festival uh, in Australia. Um, so a big electronic music uh, and arts and culture festival. And they were the report was on uh, drug checking and using drug checking to keep punters safe. You are about to watch a drug deal go down. At the end of this very long line, in the harm reduction tent. Except here, the deal is, you will not be judged, you will not be arrested. Come on in, let us test your stuff, let us tell you the facts. Wow, look at that. That 100% is an MDMA. Busted. Busted means what he thought he had in his baggie wasn't what he bought. And all too often now, it's cut with something that can do you serious harm or even kill you. The warnings are written on the board outside. This stuff will make you sick. This stuff? Yellow bumblebee tablet. So we're trying to make sure people stay away from that because people have died from it. This is probably from 11 o'clock in the morning. So this is just a few hours? This is just a few hours. But right now there's a lot of these um, bumblebee pills going around being sold as 2CB. And they're coming up as 2CT7 that a lot of deaths have been connected to. That's trouble. It's trouble. Do you worry about what you see happening out there, things that happen at other festivals? I worry, definitely. And we want to keep people alive. 
and a lot of this is about um, educating people around overdose and overdose prevention so we do that a lot um, I work in a drop-in center we run a needle exchange there and we see a lot where you know people die and we want to keep people alive these are people's kids out here and this is just another story on uh, drug checking, a uh, necessary part of the harm reduction framework in today's uh, drug drug taking uh, communities because uh, the black market is saturated with uh, alphabet soup of all sorts of different drugs and you can bet that uh, a lot of people maybe might not realise that what they're taking is uh, a more more dangerous or, or uh, more confusing substance than they might have uh, expected in the first place. Now uh, that was out of uh, out of Canada, but uh, back to Australia this week, and we had a bit of a uh, a quick bout of hysteria popping up. From first, we saw a article in the Age earlier this week on nitrous oxide or Nang's laughing gas, uh, hippie crack. It's got a few different names that it's gone by. Uh, it's just nitrogen and oxygen um, in, in gas form. It's used uh, for uh, whipped cream, for uh, coffee. certain coffee machines are used, uh, and is, um, it's also used in medical settings. Uh, if you've ever been in a hospital if you or your partner has been pregnant, then uh, during the birth, in the birth suite, you've generally got nitrous oxide available. Uh, it's used by dentists. It's used in all sorts of different scenarios. And The Age this week was reporting on a... Uh, uh, entrepreneur who's decided to open up late night uh, nitrous oxide delivery service for apparently your late night cooking needs uh, and they were a bit suspicious on the claims that it was for for cooking now the age article uh, wasn't too bad the, the claims of course i mean with all all drug stories it's you, you've got to focus on death and destruction and brain damage uh but channel seven took it a level up with their story this week, and here's the Channel Seven. Story. Used by dentists to relax patients is being inhaled at Melbourne parties in a dangerous new craze. Police are investigating online sites selling laughing gas to partygoers who risk permanent brain damage or even death. They are used commercially for whipping cream, but inhaling the nitrous oxide or laughing gas from inside these canisters is now the latest craze at dance parties and music festivals. The effects are frightening, with doctors warning the possible consequences include brain damage and heart attack. There's potential for you to miss out on oxygen, which causes hypoxia, which can cause fainting, dizziness and, worst case scenario, death. Despite the warnings, the gas is so popular it's now being sold online. Users can bulk buy or order balloons full for heavy-duty partying. Others watch in horror as the drug takes hold. The eyes are all back into their head. Uh, they're shaking uncontrollably, they can't speak, and they're often on the floor. Nitrous oxide is clear and colourless. It's used in drag racing and is a safe pain reliever and sedative when mixed with oxygen. It is used often by dentists and also in um, childbirth. On the street, these are called nangs or bulbs, and they're among the inhalants used by around 4% of the population trying to get a cheap high. You're not having a good time when you're watching your friends do something really dangerous. Police say the online company selling the laughing gas could be acting illegally. You need an authority to possess it and use it for a start. So 
Um, if people are, I doubt that that would be provided for part. That was from Channel Seven News this week. Department are investigating. Yeah, of course they are. Uh, that was from Channel Seven News this week, and um, uh, largely their uh, their list of experts. First of all, their uh, doctor, although he did provide some advice, there are ha- uh, harms associated with uh, too much nitrous oxide inhal- inhalation. One of them being oxygen deprivation, um, which can result in in hypoxia. Um, also, uh, too much nitrous oxide can lead to B twelve deficiencies, which can cause nerve damage. And I read a couple of horror stories about that, uh, which you can read. We've got a whole article up on the Encyclopedia website uh, detailing the um, uh, some harm reduction advice with nitrous oxide. Uh, Encyclopedia.org is the website um, if you want to read a little bit more. But the the expert that they got on there, the, the doctor that we were listening to, uh, had a look had to look him up because I hadn't heard of him before. And it turns out he is a uh, weight loss uh, medical specialist and a diet dietary doctor. And his website looks like the sort of thing that you see on daytime television during a uh, hour long infomercial that they stick on those weird all ad channels. Um, the uh, witness who was talking there at the end saying, you, you don't have fun when your friends are on the ground, blah, blah, blah. Turns out that guy uh, is the Channel 7 News uh, social media weekends guy. Uh, so he works for them. He works for Channel 7 News. And um, I asked him on Twitter uh, what exactly were these serious side effects that he witnessed. Uh, he didn't get back to me. I sent him a link to the articles. I don't, I don't know if he had a read of that. Uh, almost the only uh, useful thing that was mentioned in there was uh, by the police officer who uh, mentioned that it is actually illegal to use uh, nitrous oxide uh, for any other purpose than for food or if you've got a license to use it um, pharmaceutically, uh, medically or in cars because they're also used uh, mm. used to give the fully sick boosts or whatever. Uh, but I, one one last thing, I, I actually came across this quickly. This was from about four years ago. Channel Seven News has a tendency to overstate the uh, harms associated with drugs. This was them talking about ayahuasca a few years ago. Sydney medical experts are warning of possible brain damage. That's all I wanted to play. Uh, <laughs> brain damage pretty much comes into every. Um, Every story that they've got on drugs, it's always going to be resulting in brain damage. Uh, and uh, to get, in fact, there's, there's, there's no credible reports of anybody getting brain damage from ayahuasca or DMT. But I suppose for people confused by those states of mind, it might look a little confusing and scary. It's an easy phrase to grab at, I think. Very easy. So if you want to read more about nitrous oxide, um, I, it, it was a bit ridiculous when I read it earlier in the week. Uh, I've written an article. It's on the Encyclopedia website, and you can certainly find a lot of harm reduction advice around it. But then, uh, as the officer stated at the end there, it is technically illegal to use uh, nitrous oxide for any uh, purpose other than the uh, permissible or legitimate purposes as they're as they're known. This is in Psychedelia on 3CR, 855 AM on digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. Harm reduction refers to policies, programs and practices that aim primarily to reduce the adverse health, social and economic consequences of the use of legal and illegal psychoactive drugs without necessarily reducing drug consumption. Harm reduction benefits people who use drugs, their families and the community. If you want to know more about harm reduction in Victoria, head to hrvic.org.au. 
Harm Reduction Victoria is a non-profit, user-based and user-governed organisation which aims to educate, inform, support and advocate for people who use drugs, their friends, families and broader community. Newsflash! Humans are migrating en masse. Many in search of work and better circumstance. Many more displaced by wars and massacres. Predatory trade pacts, ethnic clashes, historical fractures, climate change impacts. Some call them refugees, others illegal immigrants. Whatever the label, there are more displaced people today than ever in history. Collectively, they form one of the world's largest nations, a flagless country of tens of millions, half of them children. So how is the world handling this crisis today? Surely the wisest, richest societies are responding in enlightened ways. We now invite three guests from such countries. First up, business magnate, presidential candidate Donald Trump. My fellow Americans, our great nation's become a rotten dub. Thanks to that communist Obama chump, our southern border is an open door for any Juan to come. Illegals are pouring through the country, scooping all the dollars up. 12 million undocumented aliens, there's 4% of us, and 6 million are Mexicans. I'm told they're all drug dealers, rapists, and criminals, and hundreds are working in my Trump hotel businesses. I just don't get it. After all we've given them, we signed NAFTA, which trashed their economic system, put them out of work, and raised the price of tortillas. But despite our we can't seem to satisfy those taco-munching peasants. Let's bring in Katie Hopkins, a tabloid paper columnist. What's your take on immigrants? It's the day of apocalypse, and the EU's doing nothing to stop loads of unwashed droves from crossing over the ocean like cockroaches. They get on wobbly boats and drown, if we're lucky. Then the survivors arrive on Greek islands and head for this fine country, Great Britain, the whitened, I mean United Kingdom, where they swamp our local culture and welfare system. Feral migrants, spreading like the norovirus. We've had to put up miles of fences to stop the tide of outsiders. With jihadi names, weird clothes and cruel customs, they're robbing us of our own country. Truly disgusting. Uh, next up then, Australia's Prime Minister Tony Abbott. Sounds like a bad, a bad problem you have there, but we don't have it. We've solved it. You we have? have? Of course, we have all sorts of desperate people trying to get to our shores, but we got it all sorted. How? Well, tell us. We took this bloody UN refugee convention and chucked it in the dunny. To all asylum seekers, we shut our borders. We turn their boats back mid-voyage or bribe people smugglers to do it for us. And if anyone slips through to our shores after all that, we lock them up in concentration. I mean detention camps on remote islands like Manus and Nauru. For how long? Indefinitely. Heinous. True. Genius. Definitely. How do you get away with this? It's easy as killing the ABC when both major parties are vying for the cruelest policy on refugees and you ban anyone reporting on the camps and what goes down inside. Even rape and child abuse. Out of sight, out of mind. Tony, when I'm president in these parts, I'm going to make you head of immigration. You're hired. To guard our border, we'll erect a huge rampart. And you know, when it comes to building walls, I got it down to a damn art. Aussies, you're a shining beacon of vicious cruelty. If you can do it, by jingo so can we. Quick go, send our gunships and British Navy. Blow those sweaty Syrians straight out of the flipping grey sea. Ripley Katie, glad to be an inspiration. Well, it's great to see such close collaboration between nations, but is it ethical? Let's pose that question to Mr. Moonseed from the NGO. Real humans say welcome. Greetings, xenophobic pundits. My preaching from the pulpit today shall focus on the gleeful topic of oneness. Different cultures can bring new and positive customs. Great food, music, yoga, hot people, a melting pot of abundance. We need to open our borders and receive the magic. Let people roam the globe, choose love, not fear and panic. Unless, of course, they're trying to migrate to Atlantis, which is reserved for me, the highest race on the planet. Multiculturalism means the death of our fragile white race. They're trying to wipe us out without a trace. Only white countries are forced to mix with other ethnic types. Dead right. If we get lex on immigrants, it'll be white, white genocide. genocide. Genocide? That's an interesting choice of expression. 
Didn't you yourselves migrate to the countries you now live in and push the locals out of their homes, imposing your own language, laws, and culture across their homelands? Exactly. You saw how that went for Native Americans and for Aborigines. We are living proof of the danger of immigrants. They'll steal the land we stole. Invade our barbecue areas. I'd rather leave than witness this. Don't try to come to Atlantis, you barbarians. How's it, my Chinas? It's calling intermission. I've been listening in and it seems like it's time for one of my blixem interjections. Bilderberg from the New World... Ach, no introductions. I'm pleased to see that you're focusing your anxieties on the hordes of poor people trying to flee to your borders and shores, seeking sanctuary from scarcity, wars and eco-catastrophes, rather than focusing on these migrants who cross all borders at will, overriding the laws of your countries, wreaking havoc, destroying thousands of local jobs and paying no taxes. Corporations. Corporations are people too with special needs. Right now, while you scream about migrants and the refugees, you're about to see the signing of three giant corporate treaties. The TTIP, TISA, and TPP. Free trade agreements. Indeed. So free that they're being negotiated in secret. The only details we've seen are thanks to these drafts leaked by whistleblowers and published by WikiLeaks. Worried about migrants affecting the economy when they barge in? Wait till you see these tradebacks annihilate the job market, slash wages, and leave collective bargaining rights discarded. Worried about your sovereign laws? These treaties will override them so foreign companies can make you a lawsuit target if your country ever threatens their potential margins. Worried about guarding your culture from outsiders? These treaties will extend copyright terms for decades after, siphoning knowledge out of the public domain and robbing you of your collective culture and scientific gain and the spoils from all this plundering will be taken, not by local populations but by foreign corporations. We welcome that kind of immigrant here. Here too, we give them visas and let them leave the queue. Ah, my faithful minions, I knew we could count on your commitment. Whoever said your immigration policies lacked compassion and wisdom. Thanks to our guests for engaging in this conversation on the contentious issue of migrations on the planet. Mass exoduses like the ones we're witnessing cause real problems and tensions. There's no question. But as we've discovered, when it comes to managing borders and cultural habitats, these migrations are just one part of a larger pattern. Yet this is the part we're taught to fear and fret about. Why does that happen? By now we should have gathered this, when politics, lobbyists, business and media machinate to divert, scramble and mangle our view of the world we're inhabiting, we'd be wise to ask ourselves, whose interest does this skewed perception actually benefit? Someday, historians will look back and label this the age of mass displacements and assess how we handled it. Will they condemn our blindness or celebrate our vision and humanity? That's up to us in the present, where history is happening. Juice Rap News with Immigrants on 3CR. This is in Psychedelia. We're on 855 AM. Uh, streaming live at 3cr.org.au and also on digital. And Juice Rap News will be doing, I believe, their first ever uh, live uh, performance. Yeah, yeah, first ever live. I think they did something at Woodford a couple of years ago. All right. One of their first ever uh, live performances next Sunday uh, in Melbourne. If you want tickets, uh, the place to go is their website, thejuicemedia.com forward slash live, or head along to our uh, Facebook page. We've put up links there. Uh, it should be quite a show. Um, uh, Hugo is incredibly talented. Uh, Giordani, uh, Giordano, sorry, who writes a lot of the uh, rap news episodes, also obviously incredibly talented. I think that's they've got about 30, 35 episodes now of rap news, so that'll be uh, quite impressive. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash uh, in psychedelia, and you can get a link there to the Juice 
Rap News live show next Sunday. And it's actually uh, quite a big uh, weekend, uh, next weekend, with uh, Saturday uh, Culture Jam, who are a Melbourne uh, party crew, are putting on a party called The World Beyond. It's their uh, second or third iteration of this party. I think it might be the third iteration of this particular party, uh, which is themed around uh, techno, dystopia, utopia, uh, themes. It, it's sort of like stepping into a, a 1980s uh, B-grade sci-fi, but in, in the most fun way possible. Um, I, by by saying B-grade, I, I don't mean that the, the performance is B-grade at all. I just mean it's got that kind of like... Uh, I don't know. That fun factor in yeah. B-grade? I, I, I hosted a burlesque show called uh, B-grade Burlesque, so I know exactly what you mean. Exactly. I'm glad you do. <laughs> so that's on next weekend, and you can grab your tickets for that by heading to the Culture Jam website, culturejam.com.au, and uh, Hugo, uh, who's performing rap news, is also going to be on that, so he's got a quite a, quite a busy weekend as well. Um, also coming up soon, there's a couple events going coming up soon. Uh, what else have we got? Next, next weekend is... Uh, uh, International Overdose Awareness Day. Uh, there's going to be over 50 events worldwide where people are honouring those that they've lost to uh, uh, addiction and overdose. So it's a good opportunity to contemplate those in your lives that you might have lost or that are currently going through problems with substance abuse and that sort of thing. There's also going to be a talk by Mark, Mark Lewis, a neuroscientist and former addict happening on the 30th of August at the Deacon Edge at Federation Square uh, from 11am till 12.30, and that's $22 or $19 concession. Mark Lewis will also be joining us on the program next week uh, to have a chat about addiction neuroscience and uh, his reframing of addiction. So we'll be chatting with him next week. Uh, Also coming up uh, on... The 3rd of September, there's a marijuana legalisation debate happening at the Frankston Arts Centre. Uh, it's put on by the Monash debating crew, um, and they've got uh, a couple of people from uh, quite quite uh, opposite sides of the spectrum, and, and it is a, a, an official sort of debate, so uh, the people will be there presenting the, the debate, the discussion, the arguments, rather than their own personal views. But um, it, it should be quite a good uh, event. If you head along to the Frankston Arts Centre website, I think you can find some information there uh, but information for it has been relatively scarce uh there is some information on on the facebook page for psychedelia so just head along there and you'll be able to find some uh some information okay oh and johan harry of course yeah 9th of september uh at the melbourne convention and exhibition center uh johan harry is the author of uh Chasing the Scream. Thank you. <laughs> and he will be uh, presenting on uh, on his book. Uh, he'll also be joined by uh, Greg Denham from Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, Annie Madden from uh, the uh, Australasian Injecting and Drug Users League, or Australian Injecting and Drug Users League. AVIL is their um, acronym, which doesn't, doesn't quite make sense anymore. And also Fiona Patton, uh, a member of the Legislative Council in Victoria and leader of the Australian Sex Party. So that's 9th of September. Um, it's being put on... I can't remember the name of the group that are putting it on, but again... They, they brought out Graham Hancock. So yeah, I, Graham I Hancock. the lady's name. Uh, Doron Francis is the name of the guy organising it, but I think he's got a different company name now. But all of the links are available uh, on the website. So lots of stuff coming up uh, if you want to put it into your, into your calendar. It is getting into spring, so there are also lots more uh, parties and events uh, going on soon. And... Um, 
I wanted to play a uh, a piece from one of the artists that will be performing at next weekend's uh, World Beyond party happening in Kensington. This is Tom Cosm. He's a uh, Kiwi uh, DJ of quite um, uh, quite impressive talents. He's he's quite the uh, quite the talented electronic music man. This is Tipsy Gits on Three CR. Let's take a deep breath and slowly out. Feel the air dragging attention from your body.
Tom Cosm Tipsy Gets on 3CR 855 AM uh, on uh, streaming live on 3cr.org.au and also on the digital spectrum. Uh, EGA, Entheogenesis Australis are a group who put on uh, psychedelic conferences, uh, mostly in Victoria but also across Australia, uh, and they have been slowly uploading their conferences to the their YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash entheotv. Uh, there's quite a lot of um, quite a lot of the talks over the past uh, uh, eleven or twelve years that are up there now, and uh, one of them uh, was from a lady called Bia Labate, who is a uh, she's got a PhD in social anthropology. She's from Brazil, and she writes uh, she co-edited a book called Ayahuasca Shamanism in the Amazon and Beyond, and she talks about the spread of shamanism and ritual uh, that has occurred alongside the spread of uh, knowledge about ayahuasca her website is bialabate.net and uh, i had the pleasure of meeting her um at the ega conference and she is she had a, she has her head screwed on very right he's a small part from the youtube video in alliance with other local groups uh, like many pano speaking groups so they invite started to invite shamans uh, uh, of other groups to drink ayahuasca with them and then start to to wear feathers and to receive indigenous indigenous songs so they started to create revitalized this aspect of their culture so in my 2002 book it's a chapter about the mutons and in my 2014 book it's the it's a chapter about the kuntanawa people and of course this is controversial because for outsiders uh, or let's say a regular uh, local person might say oh that that's that's all Charlatans, they just want to get land or privilege, so they, kill, they claim they are indigenous, so that's really fake, they are not really indigenous at all, and this is just a, a whole strategy to get land or to get power, and these discussions are very complicated because if one starts this process of looking for roots, then we have a lot of uh, what, is, what is indigenous uh, after all, and ayahuasca seems to play an important role uh, in, in this reinvented tradition so there is also this local festival uh, the Pano festival that is held in Acre there's a very strong revitalization moment uh, of indigenous groups in Brazil so they have this festival where you go people from all over Brazil and from all over uh, different Pano traditions from the Amazon and they make like a four or five day feast which is a big big party and in many ways politically incorrect uh, making like jokes that are malicious or that white people would get embarrassed uh, and they're just making these big strong parties and celebrations and uh, uh, festivals which incorporate uh, western representations about what it is to be indigenous so they manipulate uh, this idea of culture politically in this dialogue with the other and ayahuasca is a big a big element in this whole um, attraction and, and in this negotiation. So uh, this whole idea that uh, anthropologists call the ob- objectification of culture is to creating the idea that we're going to present our culture. So there is this expectation that we get to know indigenous culture and they sort of represent their culture and uh, show it to, to outsiders. So ayahuasca has played an important role in this process. And then the next, uh, the next point is there is perhaps a double or simultaneous process 
On the one side, there is a trend of reinvention, transformation, modernization. But on the other side, and together with that, there is a process of shamanization, or retraditionalization, or indigenization. So uh, I think that this whole book is, is interesting, and I recommend its reading exactly because it's, it's dealing with this complexity of things happening simultaneously. So uh, on the one, the one side, we can't deny all these changes and modifications, but the on, on the other side, there is this trend to rescue or to clean uh, Christian influences and go back to indigenous roots. One example of this is, for example, the fact that a lot of mestizo or gringos shipibize themselves, this idea that uh, you, you represent yourself as an indigenous, or a whole purification of Christianity. A lot of healers that, for example, start to change the words of Icaro And instead of saying virgin, virgencita, they will say warmi, the, the woman. So kind of try to pull out what is Christianity out of it. Or things, uh, when we say retraditionalization or re-shamanization is perhaps making uh, the, the realm of the expansion of ayahuasca has made a process of shamanization of things that were traditionally not so... Uh, Shamanic, for example, the process of cooking ayahuasca, which in many ways it's a not not a ritual process. It's kind of like uh, cooking things. You can have a woman watching TV, the kids running around, a chicken in the background, and they're cooking ayahuasca. And then there's this trend of ritualizing the preparation of ayahuasca, um, or just the ritualization of an ayahuasca indigenous space. The whole the whole idea of malocas. Uh, which is the space where you drink ayahuasca, Francoise Barbara Friedman shows how this is a recent arrival uh, because the idea of a malocca is like a white person's representation of an indigenous space. So they build big malocas and this becomes sort of the symbol of this traditional ayahuasca space, whereas traditionally ayahuasca is drunk more in the house of somebody or in a clearing in the forest. Zbilavate, uh, talking about ayahuasca and the rituals and 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 um, shamans uh, that, that sort of pop up pop up around it, and it's uh, it's a really complex topic. And Bia is a um, uh, quite good on the topic in that she doesn't uh, romanticize one culture above another or romanticize um, the, the drug uh, or the, the substance or the medicine um, above other things, which I think can. It can happen a lot in the discussions around these uh, these plants because of their um, profound and uh, mystical sort of effects. It's it's quite the um, quite the experience, and as a, as a bit of a, uh, a juxtaposition to that as well. Um, from uh, if you want to check out that whole video as well, it goes uh, for an hour. Uh, YouTube.com forward slash Entheo TV is the Entheogenesis Australis YouTube channel, and you can check out the full talk from Bia Labate there. Um, the spelling of her name is a little awkward, but she's the only one that looks like it's spelled Bia Labate. Uh, jumping across now to um, another, it's a podcast by a guy called Rakrazam, who is an experiential journalist. Uh, he's a book writer. He's written a lot on um, uh, ayahuasca from a uh, Australian, very uh, northern rivers, rivers region perspective, I would say. And um, he's... Uh, in a Perfect World podcast is available at uh, 
at his website, rackrazam.com, and there's also a uh, Podomatic website, and this is just a small segment from that. They take something which is sacred in their native uh, settings and their traditions because those Indigenous people understand the intricacies, as you say, and the context and the rhythms of how these plants and these materials work in the web of life, and they take out the, the, the extract, the product, and, you know, the consumer product, and they just pop it on their marketplace, and they're like, oh, here we go with this great new product, and they make the sacred profane. Well, uh, the, the same error has been made, you know, yeah, time immemorial, and, you know, I'm stuck being a white guy, so, you know... I'm part of that group that has done so much damage to the non-white guys in trying to utilize, whether it's their medicines or their way of life or the foods they eat, uh, by planting, you know, you're planting avocados in the desert in California and, you know, you need to water that desert 48 times a day. Wrong idea. And that's just avocados. So you know how, how badly this can go. And, um, I, I'll tell you recently, I was down last in January, and a friend, someone I know, he's not a best friend or anything, but someone I know said, so Peter, you know, I love that new, new stuff, stuff, and a little bit different than rapé, but, you know, because each indigenous group makes it differently, but, you know, along the order of rapé, and... Uh, so these are the tobacco so, snuffs, the new, new, and the, the rapé, yeah. Yeah, so he said, so what's in that? And I said, well, you know... Dried mapacho leaves, generally wild caught, and uh, or, or 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 not specifically planted for that. Let's put it. Um, and then uh, with heated up to the point where they could be pulverized, mixed with the inner bark of the cacao tree, and then uh, and that sits with coals until it too can be pulverized, and then the two plants are pulverized together. And then, uh, you know, one great hunter blows that snuff and his soul into another great hunter's nose to be able to, you know, develop the, you know, so that the second the hunter receiving it will have better strength and accuracy and calm when, and, and better eyesight when he goes hunting the next day. It's real simple. It's not complicated. And this person said, well, sell me something. And I said, well, I, you know, I actually don't have any to sell. I mean, you know, if you want a little for tonight or something, I mean, you know, just to, to have when you need better eyesight or common tail, I'll give you a little, but I, I don't have any to sell. And he said, don't worry about it. You know, you told me how to make it, I'll make it. Three days later, the guy has it on his website for sale. And as far as I can tell, he's making it himself. He wouldn't know what a mapacho leaf looked like. Or what the, what a cacao tree is, and and yet it's being sold. I don't know what he's putting in people's faces. You know that you know, and this is just an individual who wants to help people, but it's completely misguided. When you get to the point where it becomes pharmaceutical companies isolating out bits and pieces of a given medicine, not only ripping off the indigenous whose medicine it was, but as you know with cannabis, sometimes it's the whole plant that works not an individual product or an individual peptide from that, you know, plant. 
And that was an excerpt from uh, Rakrazam's uh, podcast, In a Perfect World. Uh, the podcast uh, is available in various places, but um, Rakrazam's website, rakrazam.com, uh, is the place, best place to get onto it. And uh, that interview was with a guy, I, th- I think his name is Martin, and uh, he talks uh, a bit about various different... Um, uh, medicines that aren't, or, or substances which aren't necessarily used for their effect, but are used uh, for their for their psychoactive effect, but are used um, in ways like, uh, well, an example is there's a frog where you can extract a, a small bit of this toxin and and they put it on their skin and and the pain is excruciating, but uh, apparently it's done as some part of some ritual. Uh, there's there's some meaning behind it, and they were, t- they, they were talking a bit about that. And it's an hour-and-a-half-long conversation, uh, but there are some interesting bits in there, like that uh, that quick discussion on um, on somebody deciding to uh, commodify what was meant to be just somebody's sort of plant mix, I suppose. Mm. This is 3CR 855 AM. Uh, you're listening to In Psychedelia. And you can uh, get in contact with us by heading along. <coughs> Sorry about that. By heading along to the Three CR website and heading to our program page. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and we're, we've got an email, and we've got our own website too. Uh, we wanted to talk quickly. I'm going to have a drink of water quickly. <laughs> so we're going to uh, get back to some of the discussion about nitrous oxide this week and particularly the idea that it's a new craze, which to people that are somewhat familiar with the substance is pretty eyebrow-raising. Yes, yes. That uh, I meant to cover that first when we were talking about it before, um, but uh, that was Channel 7's um, uh, sort of hysterical claim that there's this new drug craze sweeping Melbourne's uh, uh, party scene. Well, I think, first of all, it's not particularly new in Melbourne's party scene, and in terms of uh, people using it recreationally, well, that's a a thing that's been going on for over 200 years. The first recorded uh, incident of it being used recreationally was in 1799 when um, somebody who found out how to synthesise it. It had been synthesised earlier, but um, somebody hadn't really found out what happens when you inhale it. Uh, and in 1799, they found out what happens when you inhale it. And he went, oh, well, that's, that's pretty interesting. People seem to want more. They're having a good time. I'll keep my eye on that one. Yeah, some of the descriptions are, are pretty interesting. I don't have a direct quote in front of me, but uh, I think it was um, was it Humphrey Davy, the the first guy that was really using it uh, and experimenting with it in, in sort of a, a regular way. That does sound like the right name, yes. Yeah, I think one of his descriptions, you know, he kind of described this overwhelmingly joyous feeling and the feeling of lights and colours, and it was an entirely sort of positive description that uh, he'd sort of put it down to. And I, I recall reading a few years back about parties in, you know, 18th century, early 19th century Paris where the aristocrats would sort of huff on the nitrous oxide and basically fall around and have a bit of a laugh on on a stage in a small theatre and there'd be nitrous oxide parties. There was um, a trend in the 19th century before, of course, television and um, the ease of internet. Uh, the way that shows uh, sort of got around was they they travel around the countryside and um, some of the shows that were travelling around were taking nitrous oxide around to get people up on stage to basically make, um, make a spectacle out of them while they were on nitrous oxide, but the person on stage generally had a good time. So that, that was um, the sort of thing that was happening in the 19th century over 100 years ago. <laughs> yeah, 
And, uh, you know, I sort of first started coming across Nitrous on the party scene back in the early 2000s. It's certainly not a, a new craze. Maybe it's new to the mainstream media. Well, I don't think it's even new to the mainstream media. I, I just have a feeling that drug reporting... Um, is done particularly badly by the mainstream media. There's hardly ever any report that I, I see that's um, uh, written that's that's really has has a lot of good quality information. It's always a focus on the negatives. This is one of the problems of prohibition: is that we can't have sensible discussions around drugs because everybody thinks that you've got to make sure that you've, you're saying that it's definitely going to give you brain damage and and it's going to kill your children and and turn you into a you know filthy like sewage dwelling addict in no time. Uh, it just it doesn't correlate with what actually happens. Well, it also misses people. the point of you know discussing what the potential harms actually are. Like one of the only useful things in in that first bit that you quoted was uh, about fainting. You know, in terms of what I've seen with people using it, that's probably the most common and likely harm that somebody might come into is they they do too much of it standing up. So and take, fall down. Taking into consideration that the use of nitrous oxide for um, purposes other than medical food, etc., is technically illegal, but also uh, we realise that the reality is that people do take substances for their psychoactive effects, and we are here to talk about um, reducing the harms associated with them. What are some things that people could do if uh, they were to or they knew of a friend that was uh, uh, taking nitrous oxide? Well, first of all, it's not the sort of thing that you'd want to use daily. You know, if you're using quite a lot of it daily, then that's when you can come into the problems, um, you know, B12 deficiency mm. and the peripheral nerve damage that seems to be associated only with like heavy use over a long time. And I was reading, there are some horror stories out there of people who were um, inhaling quite a few bulbs per day for months on end. So it's quite a sustained, uh, purposeful use of a lot of this substance. Um, but in doing so, they did give themselves nerve damage that uh, was quite serious and took quite a long time to... Uh, to um, get away from and that that would also go for people that have b12 deficiencies which uh, can be common with some vegan diets um and also for for pregnant women um yeah for, for pregnant women and anybody else that might have a b12 deficiency it's it's one of those things that um you, you just got to keep an eye on with your diet regardless of whether or not you're inhaling nitrous oxide uh other harm reduction tips well i think you know things like uh huffing several balloons in a row and, and not taking a break to, to let your body have a rest and take in some oxygen. That's the sort of thing that I've seen a few times where people, you know, they get the blue lips, like they're clearly being a little bit starved of oxygen, like breathing back into a balloon and, yes. and yeah, the- following it with another balloon of nitrous and... <laughs> It, people people do like to use balloons, and, and using a balloon is probably a good idea because inhaling straight from the canister, it is a pressurised gas, uh, which means that it's incredibly cold as soon as it comes out. Um, also, there are small chunks of metal from the um, uh, uh, piercing of those little bulbs. So inhaling straight from the canister is not a good idea. A balloon is a good idea, but um, uh, going for too long, you just got to keep keep aware that when you are breathing out, it's also carbon dioxide that you're breathing out, so you can be carbon dioxide uh, poisoned and oxygen deprivation. Remember to breathe. <laughs> yeah, I think as well, you know, there's there's common sense things that you could probably do in terms of any substance that you're thinking about trying or that maybe you've tried, and that's just spending a little bit of time looking up uh, harm, harm reduction measures, maybe reading on Arrowweed about user reports and, you know, a bit of if, if people have had experiences that where it's 
not exactly gone well for them, maybe they've written it up and you can get a bit of a sense the of best, what's going on there. The best advice, uh, it's it's simple simple phrase to remember, is know your body, know the limits of your body, know what, what your diet is and things like that. Know your mind, know how you feel at the, at the time that you're going to take a drug um, and, and just really gauge whether it is the right situation uh, to be doing so. And know your substance, know what you're taking, uh, be informed about uh, what you're going to be putting into your body if you are deciding to do that so that you don't take unnecessary risks because it's, it's not worth taking unnecessary risks. This is in Psychedelia. On 3CR, I think that's... Uh, uh, we also have more information on the website. Uh, there is an article available there, 3cr.org.au. Follow the links to the Encyclopedia program page and there's plenty of information there. We'll be back from 2pm next week. Queering the Air is up next on 3CR, 855 AM. And uh, we'll see you then. Enjoy your afternoon. This is Encyclopedia. Comments, complaints, or contributions are welcome. Jump on the 3CR website, 3cr.org.au, and head to the Encyclopedia program page. Get in contact with us on Facebook or Twitter, or send us an email. Encyclopedia does not condone or condemn people who use drugs for their choices. Our aim is to present the diverse intersections of psychoactive drugs and society. If you are concerned about your own drug use or a friend's drug use, DirectLine provides a free and confidential counselling service 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Call 1-800-888-236. In Psychedelia, we'll be back on 3CR from 2pm next Sunday. You've been listening to In Psychedelia, a 3CR community radio podcast. For more information on anything you've heard in this program, head along to 3cr.org.au and follow the links to the In Psychedelia program page.